Welcome to the United Community Podcast, and we're back with another podcast. Plenty to talk about tonight. It's been a while since we've on, we've been on, uh, so a, a lot to discuss. Obviously, uh, Manchester United have been continuing their upward trend since we've last done one. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about Manchester United tonight. Um, we're going to talk about the top four, and is it maybe guaranteed for United already? Uh, we're also going to talk about Marcus Rashford. Is he world class, uh, given the form that he's in at the moment? We're going to talk about Ten Hag as well and substitutions and how it's impacted Manchester United's results over the last few weeks. Uh, and we're also going to look ahead to Barcelona on Thursday night. Obviously, a massive game uh, for United there as well. Uh, and outside of Manchester United, then we've got lots to talk about as well. Uh, Arsenal, of course, uh, are having a bit of a blip at the moment. Uh, and let's see... Um, how they can maybe come out of it. Uh, obviously, they have got Manchester City midweek as well. We're going to talk about Man City as well. And obviously, the uh, accusations that have been put forth to them in relation to FFP. Uh, so we're going to talk about them. And we're also finally going to talk about Liverpool uh, and Jurgen Klopp specifically. And is he maybe getting away with not being criticised, given the fact that Liverpool are in such a... I suppose, bad place at the moment. Um, so plenty to get into, guys. Get your thoughts and comments into the chat. Anybody who's watching live, uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, please hit the like button for us. And if anyone is listening back uh, at a later date, please do give us a five-star review wherever you're listening. Uh, but of course, we have uh, Ricey with us again. How are you doing, bud? Well, Jackie, how are you? All good, man. All good. Uh, so look, let's jump straight into it. Let's jump straight into it. Uh, obviously, you know, look, Manchester United have been... Uh, I've been doing well of late. Uh, look, a couple of disappointing results in the in you know the last uh, few games. Obviously, the draw against Leeds uh, midweek. Uh, we also had Crystal Palace as well. But you know, on the whole, since Manchester United have, um, or since we've last spoken, I suppose they've been doing pretty well. Uh, we're going to talk obviously about top four, and again, as usual, you're the uh, you're the um, the neutral in all of this as a, as not being a United fan. Uh, but top four for Man United, obviously, it's the main goal this season. You know, a lot of a lot of premature talk about title charges and things like that. But do you think maybe Manchester United have got top four sewn up yet, or is there still work to be done? Um, <clears throat> I think United. Uh, I, I wouldn't say sewn up. Look, you have 15, 16 games to go. I think they're in the absolute driving seat for. Uh, top four and credit to United to be fair you know like this time last year things were looking a lot different things are just looking a lot more positive for them uh, their run of fixtures coming up don't look too bad Barry. I know there's a lot of fixtures you're still in all competitions over the next few weeks you've Europa League during the week you've FA Cup you've Carling Cup you have a final to look forward to so look that's what happens when you're fighting on all fronts Um but I also looked up the fixtures for Arsenal, City, and just will mention Newcastle too. Mm. The, their next five or six league fixtures for all them teams are fairly nice. Like they'd be all looking, I won't say maximum points because as we can see, anything happened. But I think United need to be winning their next few games. Just keep on the current form they're on. Take away, um, what's it called? Uh, Ericton Hag has done a very good job in there in my opinion and I'd say even in the uh, in the opinion of anybody even of your rivals it can't be really denied he's done a bit of shrewd business I think at the same time as trying to achieve a lot of his goals right now he's also thinking of the future like he didn't go out and splash a load of money in January yeah he went out like he got Weghorst who Look, people might criticise him and they're saying, oh, he doesn't suit the United side of playing all. He's a stopgap till the end of the season without breaking the bank. 
you can go elsewhere and look elsewhere. If he happened to be decent and score his seven or eight goals before the end of the season, you could sign him on a two-year deal. If not, you send him back. Same with Sabitzer. Yeah. Like, another very shrewd signing and came at the very right time because he sits in now for Casemiro. I'm not saying he's a player. Casemiro is. But so far, you can't really, he couldn't be heavily criticised. No, absolutely, and I th- I think his first couple of games have been, you know, have been have been okay. You know, I thought done... they, I I thought he'd done okay too. He showed a bit of leadership, sat in there. But sorry, I wandered off the question a bit. As I don't think anything is guaranteed for United, but United, I think would f- if they didn't make top four, they would feel like they've bottled it from this position. Yeah. What be yours? Like you would be bitterly disappointed. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd be I'd be devastated if if we don't get top four at this stage. You know, and now that would lead to more big questions being asked at the end of the season. You'd be like, oh, did they just hit a lucky patch? Is Ten Hag the man if he finished in fifth or sixth? You couldn't even imagine finishing in sixth right now. Like, no, you're third no, in the I league. Yeah, right? and I, I I wouldn't go as far as saying you know if we don't get top four, is Ten Hag the man? Because no, I. I'm just saying uh, these things arise again just yeah. with that from media. I'm not saying that that would be the case. I'm just saying from this position, yeah. Baron, you get major injuries. He, You see he rotates his squad and he still gets some results like Harry Maguire. Look at the back line he had last night. I thought it was a Karen Cup match he were going to be playing. Yeah, yeah. And he still, got out there, he still got out there with a victory. Yeah, and I think it goes to show that, you know, the starting 11 yesterday and the back line specifically, like you mentioned, I think it goes to show how serious he's taken every competition because it, it's pretty clear that he rested Varane for the Barcelona game on the weekend. And you're dead right, he did take a, a big risk in doing that. I thought, and, and look, I don't like to be, um, I don't like to be focusing on Harry Maguire an awful lot, but he was terrible um, yeah, in, it, in the game it, yesterday. It, it shows... It, it, it goes to show the how how good of a sign the likes of Rand and Martinez have been, where there's just that that nervousness and that anxiety uh, is gone when both of them are playing. And Harry Maguire is the complete opposite. As soon as he's on the ball, he's slow, he, he's ambling. We just look. I, I think it's it's infectious throughout the team as well. You know that. I don't know. His teammates look nervous. He looks nervous. The the fans are nervous. I don't know what it is. Um, but the gamble paid off. Yeah, it did. I only, I was watching the match in Darties. I kind of had one eye on it and was chatting to lads. I was sitting actually with your father watching it. Yeah. And um, I wasn't fully focused on it, but I, <clears throat> excuse me, I seen a couple of errors that Maguire made. One now he made up for it, but he lost possession. He was so slow, and the striker read exactly what he was going to do, trying to play a left foot pass. It was very slow. Yeah. Striker came, intercepted. Now he won back, he ran back in one possession, but even when he turned and ran, he was so slow. Like yeah. it's not like we're talking, you're talking one of the biggest clubs in the world here. It's Every player is not going to have the biggest every attribute ten out of ten like pace, turning, uh, agility, passing, awareness. But like when you're playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world, you have to have these things. Yeah, you do. I agree with you. I and there was one specific incident that really annoyed me. He got on the ball again. No one really within maybe ten or twelve yards of them, you know, and took his time on the ball. And allowed a player to close him down. He was then too slow to to open his body and get the pass out. And he had to put it out for a throw. And it's them small little things. And I think, and we'll get on to substitutions uh, in a moment. But I think as soon as we did make them changes, Martinez coming in at the back. I think Luke Shaw didn't have a, a particularly impressive game at centre-back either. I know it's not his natural position. But when Martinez came in there and Luke Shaw went out to left-back, we instantly looked a lot more settled. And you could see the difference with Martin as he got on the ball, he opens his body, he passes it quick. You know, he's direct with his passing as well. Um, you know, and, and <clears throat> Maguire just gets the ball, stands there, he points at lads, telling them to get into position rather than just taking his first touch and passing and moving and making the team work for it. You know? Again, I'll just come back to the point that Ten Hag, <clears throat> as well as looking at competitions and looking at things this year and trying to win things, get your top four, 
he's so obviously, in my opinion, has an eye on the future too. He just wants to get through to this summer and have a full summer. He'll have done a great clear out already. We won't, I'll mention Ronaldo, we won't talk about him or anything. But I have a yeah. feeling in the summer, this will be like, Maguire will be gone this summer. There'll be no issues asked and he won't have any dealings with him anymore. You'll have Shaw at left full. You'll have Malassia cover for left full. You'll have that. Dallo right full and Wambasaka if you hold on to him at cover for right full. Um, I think with the way Wambasaka plays now, I still don't really rate him as a footballer, but he's not bad cover to have. I would think he should get better cover than that, but I think that Ten Hag will definitely go for a central defender in the summer. Someone, yeah. not only someone that is a backup for the two boys, someone that can be rotated with the two boys that's kind of almost on their level when they come in. Not someone that he's like, oh, I can rest these. Do you get my drift there? Yeah, so someone absolutely. that's going to be like, so he wants to have like three, as say, top, top defenders. Yeah, the word, defenders. We, the word we come back to, right? And we've mentioned it an awful lot is competition for places, you know? Yeah, but and, not necessarily. I just don't mean it in a way as, oh, we'll buy a young lad who will blood in. Like, yeah. I, I'd, if I was him, I'd be going for someone anyway that will compete with the two boys that all three of them be vying for their positions. Like, as of now, Harry Maguire's only playing because you're limited on options there. And to be fair to Harry Maguire, he has that bit of experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. There has been talks of United being interested in Napoli's central defender, Hyun, Hyun Min Jae, I think. that is that his yeah. name? The South Korean? South Korean. Uh, and he's a unit. I like him, I have to say. And, you know, obviously he'd be, he'd be the younger... The, 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 he would you'd be probably be looking at him as the long term replacement to the likes of a Varane, who's obviously the wrong side of thirty now. Still, you know, absolute quality, um, you know. But I do agree with you. It is a, it certainly is a position that we do need to strengthen in the summer. Um, I do agree. Um, but let's move on to the other end of the pitch, and obviously, there's only one player to talk about, and it's Marcus Rashford, given the uh, you know the unbelievable form he's in at the moment. Scored again last night. Scored you know both games against Leeds this week. He's the most informed striker in Europe since the World Cup um, ended. Uh, he scored more goals than anybody. I uh, I would I would go to say and I, I I would put it out there now that Rashford currently. I'm not saying he's the best, but currently mm. he's the most informed player in the top five leagues in Europe, which probably means he's the most well, informed he is. player in the world. He is. Like, yeah, he statistically, is. he actually is. He's. When I was chatting to your dad yesterday, we were just talking about him a bit, and like he's he has a great physique on him. He's after bulking up. I know that was kind of maybe two years ago, yeah. um, but like that was a magnificent header that he scored. Oh, like he can yeah. score with both feet. He's fast. It just, it, it's crazy to think that 11 months ago, March last year, Ralph Radnick gave him the go-ahead, said, if you're not happy at United, I won't be stopping you, you can leave. Yeah, absolutely. Told him straight out, he goes, if you're not happy with the game time you're getting, you can go. Rashford had six or seven goals last season in 30, 35 appearances. This season, he has 12 goals in 23 in the Premier League. They're not all starts. And he has 20 goals in all competitions, 21 goals in all competitions, which is a fantastic return for someone that doesn't actually have a set position. Um, myself and yourself spoke on this pod before. I think Rashford's best position is left wing. You do yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he gets shoved over to the right. Is Garnacho on the left? Garnacho tends to play on the left, given, yeah. the, given his inexperience. Yeah, Rashford so Rashford is kind right. of compensating almost then. Yeah, just he's played through the, the middle right. an awful lot as well. I know, he actually played through the middle against Leeds as well. That's just where I was going to come. I said, yeah. then you're stuck for someone in the middle. Rashi goes into the middle. Like, yeah. He's doing phenomenal for a player that doesn't. So many players will be just told, right, you're on the left wing. They'd be given their instruction. They know what to do. They never have to worry about anything else. They're up and down there, you know, cutting in yeah. or else crossing balls into the box. He used to do this on his right, on his left, through the middle. Yeah. Playing and I as a to... nine, playing as a tens. Yeah, oh. and, and and I I have to give a big shout out to Benny McCarthy. I put him up on the screen here for anyone who's watching. He was brought in specifically by Ten Hag uh, to work with the forward line 
you know, and you know, there's there was clips and 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 snippets of uh, videos showing him working with Rashford on one v one heading drills, and I think he scored, yeah, I think he scored three or four goals with his head this season. Uh, so whatever is going on in the background, it's certainly I've seen, allowing Rashford. I seen that to on Twitter. I seen that on Twitter earlier. It mightn't be that same plug, but. I was reading a thing about Benny McCarthy saying uh, one of the things kind of said, like, is he United's best signing this season? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, but look, fair play. Ten Hag came in, I won't say under massive scrutiny, came in to do a massive job where like so many lads have failed before him. And yeah. he seems to have settled it. He got rid of big egos. It's just crazy how much it has done for Rashford that getting rid of Jay Lings and getting rid of Pogba, like this has just done him a, a whole 360. He's not tweeting about the kids every week. He's st still probably doing all that in the background. Yeah, in the background. Well, he just, before when he was playing poorly, I think it's something like he, he felt that when he put this out here, it would not only deflect from his blame, but would stop fans criticizing him as much because they'd be like, oh, at the end of the day, he's a Manchester boy that loves Manchester. He'll, feed and help his do his best for charity but he seems to be probably keeping that on the down low now and just focusing on his football which at the time many united fans were saying and it's yeah. shown on the pitch and i think there's been two kind of key uh i suppose not decisions but but key um points throughout this kind of resurgence of rashford and you're after mentioning one of them there the likes of uh, lingard and pogba and all leaving rashford is now focused on his football more than anything else you know he's not being distracted by you know dancing in the dressing room with lingard yeah. and pogba or whatever it may be and i think the second one is is ronaldo leaving uh, and i don't think i don't think um let me put it, how do I put it this way? I think Ronaldo leaving has now allowed Rashford to flourish a little bit more, not just because when we had Ronaldo, everything was kind of tailored towards him. But I think Rashford is now, maybe I could be completely wrong in this, but it looks like Rashford is kind of stepping up and being a senior player now. I'm the main man in the dressing room. You know, Ronaldo has gone, I'll, not that I'll fill his boots or anything like that, but, you know, I can step up and I can score the goals. And I think it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a snowball effect. The more he scores, the more he wants. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It's just, it's absolute pure confidence. And that, that header he scored, even the build up play to that header. Yeah. The ball lovely, in. Lovely ball out of even, Spitzer, out to Luke Shaw. Yeah. What mm. out of nowhere he had his back turned to it. It's like yeah. he hit it ninety deg degrees from or one eighty from where he was facing. Yeah. Like he can't totally chops back across himself. Um, but even leading up to that, I think there was 14, 15 passes thrown together, then that big ball out wide crossed in. Yeah. Um it was a very, very nice goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to move it on then uh, as well. And, and obviously, we've been we've been talking about players a lot, but I want to talk about Ten Hag uh, next in relation to substitutions. Uh, and we've seen, we've seen, I suppose, a few times. Uh, you obviously mightn't, you know, see it as much as I would, but um, watching Manchester United every game this season, an awful lot of times we're starting games, specifically the last maybe three to four weeks, we're starting first halves and second halves quite poorly, quite slow. Uh, and Ten Hag is very consistent in how he makes his substitutions. He makes one or two substitutions in or around the 60-minute mark every game without fail. Uh, and I think I, I was reading a stat, and I should have got it before I came live, uh, um, but I was reading a stat that United have scored something like 17 goals since the World Cup uh, from substitutions or substitutions have had impact have, have had a certain impact on 17 goals since the world cup has ended uh, and that's a massive stat um and i'd like to get your uh, opinion on it in relation to how important you think substitutions can be specifically with the fact that united don't really have much depth in their squad um you know a ten hag seems to be getting them right because it's, we're getting goals from them yeah, look, as you said, I wouldn't know this side of things as in-depth as you. But just coming from a different perspective, like, if your manager is making substitutes like the other day, brought on Garanacho and scored a goal, 
like they're seeing these people in train every day. One word, one use of a word I get thinks I think gets banded about too much from Sunday League to Super Sunday in the Premier League is a player has been dropped just because Ten Hag mightn't start a player on a Sunday. Sky Sports are reporting Garnacho drop for City Clash. Just because he started two games in a row, it's a squad game that yeah. horses for courses. You play different players against different teams. They have tacticians in the background. They have scouts that are scouting all opposition. He could think Garnacho will be more suited to coming on in this match using yeah. the last 30 minutes with his pace, whipping it in. Their right full will tire. We've seen that over previous matches. Do you know, looking into it in depth, I don't like, I think the use of the word dropped is so overrated and it just goes back to like mainstream media now, just wanting to sell things. Clicks. Um, clicks, bites, just... Mm. You, uh, clickbait, basically. Essentially, clickbait. Like, just because a player as I, I just reiterate, isn't starting a certain game, doesn't necessarily mean that he's dropped for a bad reason. Yeah. And with Manchester United this season, I think you've probably seen that almost more than ever. We'll go back to since the Fergie period. That look at last night. What was your predicted team last night? There was probably three, four different players starting that yeah. back line. You would ne no one ever would have predicted that back line. No, no. I think I got, I got, I got, I went with De Gea, Delow, Varane, Martinez, Shaw. Uh, I think it was pretty straightforward. I went Fred, Sabitzer, Bruno, and then I went, I went, I actually went Sancho, Rashford through the middle and Garnacho on the left. Yeah. You know, um, but you're spot on in what you're saying. And I think the one thing that I've been happy with, you know, and, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head there saying, you know, a player is not dropped just because he's not starting the next game. You know, we can see the reactions from players who have come on as substitutes and have scored, you know, and like take Garnacho last night, for example, you know, scoring against Leeds. Um, absolutely, you know, wonderful goal. He goes off celebrating and Ten Hag is nearly running down the touchline with him, you know, but his hands up clapping, giving him the thumbs up. So I think players are, are, are understanding of, Ten Hag's reasoning. I yeah. think he's made his point very clear, and I think he's probably he's probably um, he's probably um, you know I f from looking from the outside in, it looks like he's a kind of manager that will sit down and explain to a lad why he's not starting. You know, yeah, I mean? a, a prime example and a great I won't say a turning point, but a a great point in his career so far is when. You were playing, I forget who you were playing. Rashford turned up late for the bus. Well, that was the excuse that was Wolves. given. Wolves, Rashford was, inverted commas, dropped. That now can be called dropped because he yeah. was probably in the manager's starting team until he turned yeah. up late. So there you can say he's dropped. Yeah. So Rashford was dropped. He was brought on 70-odd minutes into the game. Scored the winner, I think. He did. Scored the winner, yeah. Like, there's another magnificent substitution that he had to work on his feet to think quick. Ayrton Hag could have had many things going through his head. He's like, will I bring, will I even bring Rashford on now? He's after yeah. pissing me off. He was late for the bus. He came on. Rashford acknowledged it after. He did. It was yeah. all swept under the carpet. Rashford apologized, said I was in the wrong. I deserve to be dropped. The manager brought me on, gave me a chance, believed in me, scored a winner. Like this is what you want at a club. And again, I'll say going from Sunday league to the Premier League, this is just what any club wants. Clubs have squads and you have squads so that it's horses for courses. Everybody's yeah. not going to start every match. Certain players will in teams like back in your Real Madrid's Ramos, Ronaldo will always be starting. Back in your Man United's of olds, like Keane's always going to be starting. Terry be starting for Chelsea. But other than a handful of players like that, it's a squad game. Yeah. And Eric Absolutely. Ten Hag seems it's shown through his substitutions was it the last two games or three games that substitutions he's made have come on and either scored or assisted yeah it is yeah absolutely you know and this kid for example that we're showing on the screen Garnacho yeah. done done it last night you know what I mean yeah um uh, Chris says uh, players will love a manager that is honest and keeps everything clear uh, and the same for everyone I, I and I agree you know and I, I think it's something that Ten Hag is in you know 
he's gone in and he said, look, these are the rules. Like you were saying with the Wolves game, if you break the rules, you're out of the team, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's not in anything personal. It's just these are the rules, you know. And I think Rashford coming out and and after that Wolves game and making a not a joke about it, but kind of you know, it was kind of light hearted that he said, "Look, I yeah, but he I did. It was, it was my fault." Yeah, yeah, and he like very professional, maybe unprofessional turn up play. He knows that. Like, I can't imagine that Rashford is a very unprofessional person. I'd no. say, I'd say he realizes where he comes from. He's always stated his love for the club. He's always stated he doesn't want to leave Manchester United, even yeah. during the times. But it just shows great players when you stick out through poor managers. Like mm. when you're still at the club, like imagine how big of a mistake that would have been if, say, you let Rashford go to Newcastle or something during the summer. Oh, Jesus, yeah, there would have been uproar. Wrecking Ralph. Uproar. <laughs> yeah. No, but look, right. talk... Ralph, sorry, just I'm sneering saying wrecking Ralph, but he done good in certain ways. Yeah, people he did. might say, I, oh, maybe I, I on a managerial scale, not great, but he, he really opened people's eyes to certain things. What United actually needed and how poor we were, I think. I think he laid the groundwork there for you know to the board and to supporters and to the you know to the world in general how bad it actually is at Manchester United uh, and you're going to need 10 players you know before you can even think about challenging and uh, and things like that so um but I want to talk about Garnacho real real quick before we move on to the Barcelona yeah. game how good can that young lad be what age is he 19 18 18 Garnacho he has shown absolute glimpses of what he can do and what his potential could be. This, how is he going to be staying at United? I haven't heard him linked with anyone, but is yeah, there any so like, contract it's bit, issues or yeah, anything? Yeah, so it, it, they're in, they're in uh, absolute advanced stages for a new yeah. five year deal. It's basically well, it's going to come in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, if he signs that deal. What his future is going to depend on and the most important person in his future, bar himself and keeping his own mentality and hopefully he's not going on to 80 grand and going to be suddenly, you know, buying flash think, motors. And, I think 50 grand a week. Yeah, is what like, about. but Eric Ten Hag will be a massive person for his future. And looking at the way he's handled so far, that he's handled Rashford, handled Sancho, Garnacho isn't a lad at 18 years old that can be playing every game. Like he can't. He's like, if he did that, and if he hit a bit of a, a bad patch, like the press will be all over because they just love to see people fail. Yeah. His the man manage for man management for him will be vital going forward. But so far, he's shown he's shown all the characteristics of becoming a world class player in the future. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm so happy with him. I have to say, it's he's just a he's an absolute breath of fresh air. Like that goal he scored against Leeds the other night, uh, you know, you can't beat youth. Um, no, and football, look he, in a football, he, team, but he just left he, like, <laughs> like pace and and you know just rootlessness. I, I think he. But look, he can be brilliant. He he, his own mentality, I think, can be his only downfall. Yeah, he's young, like he's attacking he has a bit of flair about him like he looks the part and he's just called Garnacho cool name on top it's just you know like it's yeah, just something it is. That, and, and like, I think I think what's brilliant as well is that uh, it fits perfectly into the old Ronaldo song that United sing that Viva Ronaldo is now Viva Garnacho yeah, you know I mean? like just he has every, he has that. everything going for him. <laughs> he does, except for a, except for a set of teeth. His teeth are terrible. Are they? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Over to, over I'm to sure once he gets this new, uh, I'm sure once he gets this new contract by 50 G's a week, it'll he'll be straight down to the down to the dentist for a new set of fucking, straight to Turkey. Oh, he'll be giving Firmino a ring, asking him where he got him. Yeah. Um, but look, I want to move on before we move off of Manchester United. Obviously, uh, we'll talk about Barcelona is on the horizon. Uh, massive week for United, you know, on and off the pitch, I suppose. With um, I think uh, bids for potential new owners have to be in by Friday. We're not going to talk about that today. We'll we'll, we'll do a podcast on that maybe next week after uh, after the dust has settled. But Barcelona on the horizon. Uh, obviously, Barcelona are top of La Liga, you know, and you know. As well as we're playing, Barcelona are no mugs either. Uh, from an outsider looking in, and you obviously, you know, would would probably watch, you know, La Liga more than I would. What, what way do you see the game going? Do you think United are going in as favourites or Barcelona? Or I think I think it's a very interesting game, and 
personally, I think it's potentially a flip of a coin. Who wants it more? Who actually wants to win the Europa League? There's one thing I'll tell you for sure. Neither team will want to lose this fixture. Hmm. I don't think either team... I think... I don't think either team overly cares about the Europa League. But this is a massive fixture for this stage of Europa League. This would be a massive fixture for a final of Europa League. Yeah. But I said to you on the podcast a few weeks ago, oh, if I was United, I wouldn't worry about that. I'd, I wouldn't care. I'd get knocked out. You know, like, but you're never going to go out and try and lose a game. Yeah. You're fighting on four fronts. I think the most important thing is if you could get the top four, secure top four as high as you can. Three, three, third is obviously better than fourth. Second is better than third. As high as you can in that table. Top four is priority. You'll take in a few big names in the summer. You'll, hopefully for your sake, you'll have new owners and you'll be looking forward to back in the Champions League. Uh, I know the Europa League is another route to it, but to win the Europa League from here, you have to go two, four, six. Your last 32 now, is it? Last 32, yeah. Yeah, two, four, nine games to win it. That's nine games. Uh, four of them will be away on a Thursday night. Mm. Um, Your squad isn't massive. And, Overall, and you know, look, the issue I, as I, well is, obviously, Casemiro's coming back. Yeah. Uh, he'd be there on Thursday, but Sabitzer is actually suspended. Yeah, I've seen that. a yellow card in but the look, Champions League for Bayern. It's nearly, it's nearly good, you'll... Just like for like in there again, just same position in there again. Again, Casemiro's obviously that bit better for you so far. But it's like for like in there. Again, I'd go out, I'd give my all to beat this Barcelona. A great fixture, great for fans to be able to get back over to European nights like these. I know it's not the Champions League, but geez, you can't get closer to the Champions League than playing Barcelona in the last 32. But down the line, if he did lose, and once he... Gave it a good rattle. I wouldn't really care if I was a United fan. Would you? Yeah. Well, my opinion on it here now is obviously you want to win every game you play, like you said. But this is nearly a free hit, in my opinion, this Barcelona game. It really is a free hit. If we go out and we don't, you know, we get knocked out of the Europa League to Barcelona, you'll have the Liverpool fans and the Arsenal fans and all be slagging, you know, you're gone out of Europe, blah, 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 blah. But it means we can concentrate on getting top four. Uh, you know, obviously we're in a Carabao Cup final as well. That's going to be, in, you know, after these games as well. Uh, so I, I just think it's a free hit. I'm not overly, I'm not overly. I, now, if if you would have come to me at the start of the season, and I think we did mention it in the start of the season, I was saying that uh, the Europa League is vitally important for United because I thought we were going to struggle to get top four. But yeah. you know, in in the you know in hindsight, since then. You know, we've seen United go on a really good run. Teams around us in the Premier League are not putting up... I'm not going to say they're not putting up much of a fight, but like Spurs are dropping points all over the place. Ah, no um, one wants the points. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, top four is looking more of a certainty now. Um, it's not guaranteed, of course. So, for that reason alone, I would say, you know, if we go out of the of the the... Europa League to Barcelona. Okay, so be it. Let's just get top four. Let's get our, you know, tier one signings in in the summer and fucking let's have a right go at the Champions League next year. And yeah, and I'd say, you know? the thing is, I'd say Barcelona will be of the exact same mind Yeah, of this. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be more, I would be more surprised to see a full strength Barcelona team on Thursday night. Like you could see some lads like Kese and these getting run who are, very good players. They're not world-class players. But the lads at Barcelona and Manchester United, I think, are in very similar situations. As in, in the last year or two, both of them has essentially hit that reset button. Yeah. And they're, Barcelona just signed a good few free transfers. They signed a few players, got rid of a few players. They have a very small squad. They have yeah. a very, very small squad. They have a lot of players in there. If you look through the Barcelona squad, there'll be very few players you didn't know. But they've they don't have a whole lot of players they slash that wage bill I think this comes down to the age old thing I think how much Barcelona have got back on their feet compared to how United got back on their feet considering last year people were saying Barca are finished I think it shows that the Premier League is a level above La Liga yeah. that Barcelona because United done that United could, over the years have finished 5th, 6th in seasons 7th in seasons, I'm not sure if they went down that low, but at times they're eight, nine, tenth in the league. You look at Liverpool this season. Um, if you're comparing Liverpool, City, United to the likes of your Real Madrid's and Barcelona's, 
that doesn't happen yeah. in Spain. As in, no matter how bad Real or Barca are, they still They're always, always qualify for the Champions League. Yeah. And if it's not one, two, you might have Atletico in there. As in, as in Atletico will be two and one of the other two will be three, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that... I think it'll be a great tie. I think two teams in very similar positions, both neither of them will want to lose the game, and whoever wins it will be buzzing to have got one over on a European superpower. But I don't think whoever loses will be overly good. Well, what I'm hoping for maybe is a one-all draw in the new camp, and then the return leg back in Old Trafford, absolute cauldron, you know, ready to rock. I'll be at the game live, so I I just. Like the last thing I want now, the fact that I'm going to the game in Old Trafford is for, you know, us to go out there and get an old fucking hammering 3 0 or something like that. You know what I mean? I can't see. Down. I can't see. I that. don't think it'll well, happen. No, Ten Hag only, is too smart. You won't let it happen. The only thing is, when you look at their squad, who have they? They've, they've Lewandowski, they've Pedri, yeah, Dembele, De Jong. Dembele injured. He's going to miss it. Busquets is, Busquets is missing as well. Yeah, Busquets um, is old, but he's vi- very vital to what they have vital. going there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I think there's one more I didn't hear. I, I can't remember who it is, but um, but yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. I have to say. Um, but anyway, look, let's move on from United, uh, and we'll talk about uh, the Arsenal, Arsenal FC. We're on a bit of a wobble at the moment. Uh, Arsenal three games without a win. Obviously, City in the FA Cup, then two Premier League games, a defeat to Everton and a draw to Brentford on the weekend. Now, look, Brentford are no mugs either, you would have to say. Um, but they seem to be going through a bit of a wobble at the moment. And yeah, well, the only thing before you get on your high horse at Arsenal... I'm, I'm not, is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. ...is that Arsenal fielded a weak inside against City in the FA Cup. I wouldn't worry about that game. They would, like, you're, yeah... Technically, you're right because you are counting it in a three-game loss. It was a very bad loss to Everton. It happened the same way you drew at Leeds. They changed their manager. You know that's fairly shit. Now, I can't defend it because Everton were so poor uh, up until that. They just got their win there. Um, it was a typical Everton performance. Yeah, though, really, yeah wasn't yeah. it? At Goodison Park. And, game, and a Sean Deitch performance. The game the other day, though, and I read a stat today. And I think this is that every point or every point. Yeah. Just let me check the league table. Do you have a league table in front of you just with points on it? Yeah. Sorry. I so just Arsenal, check the, I'll put it up on the screen here. For yeah. I just want to, to check the, I just want to check the losses they have. Yeah. Because so, I don't want to read out a stupid stat and make two myself losses look Arsenal have. Two losses. And See, you have four. maybe then the stat, the stat was either every point Arsenal dropped or maybe every game Arsenal lost has... No, I think it's every point Arsenal have dropped this season has been an issue with VAR that okay. has caused the levelling or losing goal. If you look back, and that Dermot Gallagher, who's on Sky Sports at 11am on a Monday morning, go yeah. reviewing all the referees, kind of, whether they were right or whether they were wrong, he very rarely admits a ref was wrong. And when he does admit a ref was wrong, he goes such a roundabout way of doing it. He's yeah. trying to say the ref wasn't really wrong. Yeah, yeah. But he said the ref was wrong. He showed it. Arsenal got robbed. That was an offside. The lad who crossed in the ball was offside. And it wasn't even a mistake by VAR. What they said on Sky Sports was the VAR team took three minutes and they were so focused on the first offside that they never actually checked the second offside. The first wow. one was a player coming back in from play, a player called Pinnock. And he was coming, he came, a ball was crossed in, but they said it went so far over his head, he was offside, that he was deemed to not interfere with play because there was no way he could touch the ball. He came back onside, the ball was crossed back in, he flicked it, and it went to another player who crossed it in, and the other player was blatantly offside. But they're, they've they've come out. Kevin Campbell, an Arsenal legend, their Arsenal fan, Everton legend, has come out and said, and he called him out and said, he goes, if the VAR team forgot to check, he said, that's not a mistake. That's incompetence, and they have to be sacked. It's human error, yeah. Like, it's absolute human error. It's not as if they were 50-50 on a line and they got the call wrong. Like, 
everybody can get something wrong. They said they actually forgot to check something. Like, they don't have that much to do, VAR, and they're paid big money to do what they do. So yeah. they have to... They can't get every decision right. That's what you call human error. But, like, when they forget to do something, it's like you going to work or forgetting to do something and your boss asked you, you know, did you mix that cement before... Did you put water in with that cement before you laid it or something? And you're like, no. And he's like, geez, you have it all done. You know, like it's that wall is about to fall over. Yeah, yeah. But something <laughs> like that was probably a stupid example, but you know, something <laughs> something like it's you, you didn't do your job properly. Yeah, you didn't do it properly. Yeah, it's incompetence. And look, I know here Chris says, Oh, here we go, blame and var. I'm not an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I don't I don't mind if Arsenal win the league. I'm just saying that if you're wanting to if you're wanting to play fairly and wanting everything. You have to admit, Arsenal got done for them three points there. And that could come down to be such a vital part of this season. Yeah, it could. It could. In relation to the, okay, this so-called blip that they're having. No, I do it, agree with you. I do agree. But it, this, this Jack was always going to happen. We've always. stated this before. Yeah. Their squad is small. They play a lot of the same players the whole time, uh, which works. But these players could tire. These yeah. players... And um, what we mentioned as well, Ricey, was, uh, you know, you're right in what you're saying. We did say that this blip is going to come because you don't go through a season without one. It's how you come out of it and how long exactly. the blip lasts for. You, a team, as we've seen over the years, can go through without this blip. Um, But it's the yeah. experience and that that kind of may pull through. And this Arsenal team, as good as they are, and in my opinion, play under day, play the nicest football in the Premier League on their day this like currently and um it's how they can pull through this try and survive like if they went two more games if they lose to city next week i'm not saying it's over for them it's not over by a long shot but this is the kind of thing where everybody was like they still have to play city twice and if city play them in the first game and beat them people will be just like oh here we go yeah, they're playing Wednesday night, I think, the two of them. Yeah, Wednesday they? night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, I think this... It's, you're talk, we're talking about blips and, and, and things like that. I think that it's come at a bad time for Arsenal, I have to say. Now, there's no good time to get a blip. There really isn't. But to go three games without a win and then going into the City game, albeit yeah. it is at home, yeah. I think I you wouldn't... could ask for better... Time you could. I wouldn't be. It is three games, but I would. I really wouldn't be worried about that first city game. They lost one nil, and they had four or five players out that don't regularly play. Mm. Like, I wouldn't be overly worried out about that. He was. Arteta was coming out, and he was not showing his hand to Pep. Yeah, it'll be a different story Wednesday night. I'm not saying the result will be different. I'm saying it'll be a different mentality coming into the match if Arsenal. How much of a bounce back would it be if Arsenal bet City 2-0 on Wednesday night? Yeah, yeah. No, it would. Like, Arsenal really. have to believe they're in the driving seat there. At the end of the day, they're the only team, along with City, in the Premier League that it's in their hands to win the Premier League. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, if we look at the table, right, and we say, right, well, look, obviously, Arsenal have a game in hand on City. City are only three points behind. If Man City win that game, they're level on points with Arsenal, albeit Arsenal will have a game in hand. Okay, so you would say that as you would say there's a lot of pressure on Arsenal there. However, if Arsenal beat City, they go six points ahead with a game in hand, which is going to be absolutely huge. So it's That's, all down to what way they're going yeah, to focus on this, it. You know, this game is the definition of a six-pointer. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. can pull that much away. Arsenal would have that bit of leeway. They'd still have to play City again this season, but it would be completely out of City's hands. Like, yeah. if City went now for the rest of the season and won all their games, they're league champions. Yeah, absolutely. If Arsenal go and win all their games, they're league champions. If Man United go and win all their league games, it's not in their hands. Yeah. They're waiting on other results to become league champions. Yeah. So Arsenal and City are the only two teams there who have this, you know, have... Have it in their own hands to win the title, yeah, 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 absolutely. Right, let's talk about City while we're on the subject. And obviously, since we've last spoke, 
there's been massive developments in uh, allegations towards breaches of financial fair play, uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of talk has been surrounding if they are found guilty, what will the punishment be? Will it be you know uh, points deduction? Will it be relegation? Will they be stripped of titles? What way do you see it as as an outsider looking in, and what do you think if they are found guilty is is the more likely punishment? Okay, to be honest, I'll have to get you in a second to give me a quick rundown. I've seen all the commotion. I read into a few clicks on Twitter and I yeah. didn't delve deep into what the actual crimes were. I was listening to a podcast there uh, and they were saying something about it was the overpayment of managers or they weren't. Yeah, so in a nutshell, I'll give you the really yeah. quick clip of yeah. it. So um, basically they were overinflating the money that they were bringing in. So they were letting on, they were getting more money for sponsorships and things like that. And uh, on the back end of that, they were cooking the books in relation to uh, expenditure and letting on that they weren't spending as much. Now, that can be down to maybe, you know, there was reports of, uh, say, uh, Mancini or someone having separate payments being made off the books, like, you know, cash in hand nearly. Um, now, a lot of the charges as well are... I think there's there's 115 charges in total, and I think 30 of them are when the Premier League have gone to Man City and requested like emails and to look at the books, and, and Man City have refused. Each time they've done that, that's a charge as well. So, you know, it, it's not all to do with actually breaking or spending too much. Um, you know, all of these small little finite things can be a charge against them as well, you know. Yeah, I, I was reading to get... They have to be convicted of 50% of what's against them. Okay. To be deducted points or relegated. Yeah. I just see pictures from before. Remember that time City were up and City seemed to be one of the only teams in the Premier League that are ever really in bother consistently. Yeah. They had a big, massive legal team. Can't, can't see him going down without a fight. I also read something else again. Don't know how true it is that it could take two years to get to the bottom of it or to it, get an yeah. outcome. Um, what is fair? Um, could you go back? Look, I wouldn't be personally one for saying strip them of every title they won over the last five years because it doesn't really matter to the team that won it. No, it doesn't. Um, like, I know you could strip them of it and then you could say, oh, in 2013-14, United won the league and it's not going to really matter to United. Yeah, they can change their numbers outside their training ground, but it's not like... You're not going to really feel you deserve it, even though no. you may have deserved it at the time. No. Um, so I don't believe that. I think the only way you can really punish him is doing something to him now. It would, like, if you, like, even if worst came to worst, it'd be some form of punishment and some kind of message out there if you said, okay, we're deducting Man City 15 points. Yeah. If you give them the same of a team going into administration, something like that, or deduct them, even if you deducted Man City 15 points from the start of next season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, like, sorry, that'd be just my opinion, something along the lines of that. I, I don't think relegating City isn't going to do that. And it's only going to kill someone in the championship from getting a space up to the Premier League. Because we're at whatever league you put them into, not, yeah, they might lose all their players, but they're still going to have world-class players at their club. Yeah, there, there's two ways I've been looking at this. And I think probably the points deduction is probably the way it could go if they are found guilty. Um on the other hand, I, I, I've been kind of looking at this from, from say, uh, ownership of clubs perspective. You look at, say, state ownership of City, state ownership of Newcastle, and potentially state ownership of Manchester United. You know, we're hearing a lot of Qatari, you know, Saudi, Saudi Arabia, these kind of things. Are the Premier League going to put their foot down and say, we're not having any of this, and here's a message to the rest of you, bang, you're relegated, you know. That could potentially happen, and I I wouldn't can't be surprised. See it. I wouldn't be surprised it. if it did happen. But I think the points deduction is probably going to be the way it goes. The one big issue is with it is that when they were found guilty uh, last time with UEFA, they went to the court of arbitration to appeal the decision. They can't do that this time. So that's a so whatever the original outcome is, they cannot appeal it. Premier League so, will probably come out and something stupid slapping with a three-window transfer ban and they'll suspend the second two pending something and they just won't be able to sign people. They'll be allowed to sign people at, at in this next summer, but they just can't sign them in the January transfer window. They did it to Chelsea years ago. Now, I know that was over a 
something to do with a transfer of that young fella there years ago. That's right. Yeah. Uh, at Chelsea, I know that was to kind of do with a transfer. This isn't yeah. necessarily to do with like a transfer. It's to do with like hiding your books from accountants or getting your yeah. accountants to cook your books. It's a, essentially kind of a tax evasion that they're after doing, isn't it? Yeah, it's look, essentially like yeah. The the easiest it, way of saying it is they're taking cash in hand, you know, yeah. without you know without letting the taxman know. Basically, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, but look, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how it comes. I do think it's going to drag on for you know a year or two. It's not going to be yeah. quick. Just what Chris um, is saying there, punishment has sorry. to be harsh, harsh enough not to have it happen again. I hundred percent agree with you there, but I've never seen a massively harsh punishment in the Premier League I think it'd be the first of its kind if something like this came along yeah teams mm. have got relegated that's due to administration I think them rules are kind of black and white yeah um, and there's, there's a lot, lot of people of... there's a lot of people comparing say that you you know Juventus got relegated but that, that was for match fixing you know what I mean and also that's in Italy you know like, like they have different governing bodies they have different mentalities yeah. they've this is far worse than Chelsea things could come out about Chelsea in, <clears throat> in years to come but I think just the fact that Chelsea's is so blatantly open to everybody that they're spending all this money. I'd and say they have the their contracts. Saying, I'd say, have a I'd say they have. Yeah, I'd say they have their homework done in the background. Like they're splashing cash everywhere they go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to look, be interesting. It's going to be. It will be interesting with City. But like, what would you? Would you like to see City relegated? I know maybe as you yeah, fan, yeah, get out of the way. To, I'd love to see him relegated. I think little, I think it, little City. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, look, but, look. If they're guilty, and we're all going to laugh at them if if they're relegated, you know what I mean. We really are because, you know, I, I can under. There's been talks there as well as you know other other clubs then are going to are going to sue them if they're fa if they're found guilty because you know or I see you've been cooking the books and they've finished in the top four. So every team that missed out on top four, you know, I know it's the, year, it's the same way that going to sue them and it's a trickle it's the same down way effect, Sheffield you know? United, Sheffield United. She Sheffield United sued West Ham years ago for playing Carlos Tevez in a match against them right. and they scored and they got relegated. I don't know. Did they even win that? I don't know, to be honest. If they didn't win that, there's no hope of these winning this. Yeah, I think uh, um, Mascherano was, was a part of that as well, I think. There, there was big... Um, yeah, West Ham were in bother with that at the time. But look, I want to move yeah. it on to Liverpool real quick, Ricey, before we finish. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, look, they're not having the best of seasons at all. Um, no. And, you know... The, the one question that, and, and I've been reading a lot about it in the last few days, is the lack of criticism that's been given to Klopp. Uh, and and obviously, look, I'm a United fan, so I, I um, you know, I obviously don't want to see Liverpool doing well at all. I'm kind of happy to see what's going on with him. But um, I, I was reading a stat today that he has a worse record uh, at the moment than when Solskjaer got sacked by Manchester United. Um, now, I'm not saying he should be sacked or anything, you know, given what he's done for the club. Absolutely. Um, but why isn't there any criticism being aimed at him? OK, and this this is straight up, I think of it. And I think it's straight up why Liverpool aren't getting all the headlines this season for being shit this year. Like mm. They're not in the papers every week. They're not all over Sky Sports. I think everyone kind of realises that like Liverpool didn't buy when they should have bought. I don't think that's Klopp's fault. But Liverpool have had such bad luck with injuries that I think it's almost the reason like why everyone's like almost sure how can Klopp be doing good. They don't have the squad depth. He has to be playing X, Y, and Z in midfield every week. Like just if you look at injuries, Van Dijk, yeah, he may not be the same player since he done that cruise shit. Still a vital player to them. He's been out for a few months. They got rid of Mane. Um, I know they signed Nunes and Gakko, but look, I think they'd admit here, they'd admit themselves that, like, look, these mightn't have been great signings. I just think um, that I just think both of them are 10 hag masterclasses. Yeah, we yeah. want uh, we want Nunes, Liverpool signing, yeah, we want Gakpo, Liverpool signing, and they turn out to be shit. Um, yeah, but you look at it, if you're, you're talking about there about injuries, I just want to see. No, I not only blame injuries, I blame, no, no, blame I recruitment that, but, over the last few years but, too, but, but I, I blame. As well as you look at Liverpool's last game, right? And obviously they lost 3 0 to Wolves. They had Allison in goal, they had Trent right back, they had Robertson left back, they had Gomez, they had Naby Keita, he's not great. They had Thiago playing, they had Salah playing, they had Nunes playing. Like these are all good yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are like, yeah, they are all they are all good players. Like it hasn't clicked this season. I'm just saying they have been got rotten luck with like 
with injuries. Um, Jota up top has he even he hasn't even played this season. Jota, yeah, Diaz uh, is injured. Luis as well. Diaz on the wing, like they'd be two big players for him. Losing Mane, um, Henderson's past it. He nearly needs a wheelchair to get around. Um, Milner, she's don't you know don't even start. Fabino's been off form this season. Personally, don't think Joe Gomez is up to the standard of playing in top no. four. I don't. Th- I think any Liverpool fan would tell you the same. Um, Matip has had great games over the years, but kind of always. T- I always personally thought that he kind of played above himself with Van Dijk. Um, I just thought Van Dijk could make a- kind of made anyone a better player, and that's not criticizing. Um, Matip in any way I just think that like he kind of was lucky to have a great career at Liverpool because if Liverpool didn't sign him that time I don't think he might have been at another big club like could have been at Leverkusen or someone like that but yeah well let me fullbacks, ask you this then the fullbacks obviously I don't think they haven't been really at the race I know Trent can pull out his moments of magic we've had this off before I think he's a world-class player you don't on his day I'm saying not defender player um, oh yeah Rob- I think he is a very Robertson, good player Robertson hasn't been at the races this season and I seen some I forget what was it it was a few weeks ago I seen a weird stat about Robertson or something like four to five games they played without him they won or something I've seen some mad stat there yeah but let me ask you this then in relation to obviously transfer windows closed the squad that they have is the squad that they have uh, are they going to make Europe top seven top what top like, six seven like geez I don't know like that like now they're five. They're five points off a of seventh at the moment, and they've got two games in hand on Fulham. I know, but then I know you want to finish as high as you can. Would they be better off without it? No, but do you want do do Liverpool want to be in the Conference League? That's that's what I mean. Would like, they be better off saying right? I don't think let's, let's it will be this season. I don't think it will be any draw to be in the Conference League for Liverpool. The Conference League was set up for teams from the it's Premier a, League. A, like your, another um, advert. No, for your Premier mate. League, it's for like your Leicesters, your West Ham's, these kind of teams. Maybe next year Brighton might be in it, and if Brighton got into it, they'd be buzzing to be in it. But then teams like Shamrock Rovers and all from Ireland are in it. You'd have teams Lithuania, all yeah. like you could have a group with no household names in it. Yeah. So it's Absolutely. just not a big competition for someone like Liverpool. Like if you were with United, yeah, if you landed up in it, you try and I don't even think you'd try and win it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, I, finally, I right, go yeah. on, sorry. No, I just don't, I don't know where Liverpool are going to go from here. Um, I really don't know. Their midfield is fairly old. They have, like, Thiago's tasks. Um, well, the one Fabinho's thing I would say, right, whatever, whatever happens this season, if they don't have new owners by the summer, by the time the transfer window opens, they're in big, big, big trouble because them owners are not investing. Well, you see, yeah, yeah, the thing about it is, is they're in big, big... team. I think a lot of teams will be in big, big trouble. To be honest, if if United sign Qatari owners or if you say Qatari Qatari people buy United, I think United then they're already in the top two, three clubs in the world for like a franchise or the size of riches. Like, I think they're linked there with five billion buying them for. Yeah. Um, Jesus, five. It'll billion. be it'll be the most expensive sports team if, if it goes for above, I think, four point seven billion. It'll be the yeah, most like it, it just show what you buy and them Qataris. They seem to have endless amounts of money, and they seem to have ways of kind of getting around everything. Like, if this happens, it's kind of going to be a thing in the Premier League. If you want to be winning and competing in the Premier League, you have to have a Qatari owner. An owner kind of from the Middle East, they seem to spend the most. Yeah. Well, I think what, and I think it was Gary Neville that said it, and I actually agree with him in relation to the financial, the, the FFP. It has to be changed because the, the mid table and lower down teams, the only way they can invest, because basically with FFP, you can only spend what you're taking in, you know. So if you take a Bournemouth, for example, they're never going to be able to spend 400 million in the space of two yeah. years because yeah. they're not bringing in that revenue. You'd so buy the club for that. If, yeah, exactly. But if you got an owner in who wanted to put 400 million into uh, Bournemouth in transfers, he's not allowed to do that because the revenue is not coming in the door to push it out the back door. And I think that should potentially be allowed because if that's, if that's going to be the case, then none of these lower teams will ever ever be able to reach the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, 
you know, Arsenal and Man City. And that's not right, you know. I think, I think overall, just from the outside in, I think as much as it would be great for the money, I think United would rather if they could avoid Qatari owners, but they would take him. But I think they would rather have an owner that would pump in money that mightn't be Qatari. Um, yeah, like Jim Radcliffe is the perfect example yeah, of that. But He's the only thing is you United don't fan. know what he'd throw into it. I definitely would be steering clear of that other lad. Um, what's his name? That was Tesla fella. Oh, uh, Elon Musk. Oh, man, he'd be running that like a business. He's out in places to make money. Yeah, well, if the club, if he makes money, the club makes money. You yeah, know what I mean? I don't know. I, don't, I, I wouldn't I'd be steering away from him. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, look. Circus act. <laughs> it would be. It'd be a nice jersey, though, with Tesla on the front of it. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It really would. Look, guys, we're going to leave it there. Ricey, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us again. Um, we'll hopefully be back next week. We will be back next week. Um, please, God. Um, but yeah, yeah guys, yeah, look. Please, God. Uh, really appreciate everyone who's uh, listened in. Uh, thanks to all the comments, all the likes, uh, and all of that good stuff as well. Uh, we're Manchester United uh, podcast, so uh, all things United and then everything else, like you see. Uh, United Community Channel on everything, guys YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all the live watch alongs throughout the season. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday night for the Barcelona watch along. So I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>